Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. Car Guys Podcast. You can reach us on uh, social media at uh, pick your social media. They all work the same. Yep, and you can reach us, drop us a line, something or other, at mzcarguys at gmail.com. So, oh yes, anchor.fm forward slash mzcarguys if you want to listen to us, or mzcarguys on all the different platforming thingy widgets. Yep. Um, Matt, what are we doing today? I hope some. I hope nothing big. Oh God, you actually said that. We're doing mini. We are doing mini, absolutely. Uh, now, and contrary, you, 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 sorry, I'm, I'm stepping for a second. You have a lot of experience with mini, and I'm gonna. You're gonna do most of the talking, uh, even more so than usual. But I did want to uh, talk about. There's some sort of nuance involved with what is a mini and what isn't a mini, and why is mini, you know, so important to the cars in the twenty in the late twenty first twenty first century. I uh, I would like to say that I am part gorilla, and I'm not sure I fit in a mini. But <laughs> one of my goals in life is to at least sit in one and to see if it's possible to pilot one without endangering myself or the car. Okay. So what Matt is referring to is the fact that for three months, um, I worked uh, for uh, selling minis. Uh, I sold Coopers and so forth. Um, so I can tell you, Matt, I have actually seen someone who is six foot seven sit inside of a mini and test drive it with no issues. Uh, but I'm referring to the original mini. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might be a different story. Um, believe it or not, the mini Cooper, uh, or sorry, the mini, uh, which started life in 1959, um, began because of the 1956 Suez crisis. Um, so uh, other people also know it as the, what's up? Sorry, yet another fun functional car that came out as a result of an oil crisis. Well, this was a little bit more than just an um, because you had the oil crisis of the 70s, which was an oil crisis that really did a number on and different things and stuff. But the 1956 oil crisis, uh, which was the Suez crisis, that came out of uh, what was known as the Second Arab-Israeli War. So basically everybody around Israel wanted to attack Israel um, and uh, the United Kingdom and France and the United States backed Israel. And uh, in retaliation, because especially the at that time, um, the vast majority of oil was from the uh, was from the Middle East, and so they said, "Fine, you can't have oil." And then we said, "Well, crap, we need to do something," uh, because in 1956 we we were one year away from the 1957. Uh, you know, Chevy. When 1955, the uh, the Chevrolet was presented with a brand new small block V8, which I'm sure got you know gallons to the feet. So, um, so it was 
the mini uh the mini was just uh was set up in 1959 um you have in 1956 i'm sorry 1957 you had the fiat 500 which we've already talked about was introduced and that's and it became extremely hugely successful and so forth so anyways so it was and we haven't really talked much about this because really it wasn't it wasn't too much of a thing here in America, um, in the United States, uh, which was the, the micro car kind of boom, you know, where you had like the peel and you had the Messerschmitt and you had a bunch of other ones. Uh, one of which was, uh, the mini, um, the Fiat 500, all these different little small cars, uh, that, you know, that kind of exploded over in Europe. Uh, one, because of gas prices, uh, but two, because of you had a lot of these little small um, uh, small medieval towns that you needed to get in and out of, and big old American cars don't do that. So, Right. We talked a bit about the Isetta, but that's probably the closest we got to talking about microcars. Exactly. Yeah. And how can I forget the, the Isetta? It's what saved one of the things that saved uh, uh, BMW at the time. Yeah, nothing to admit to that, but that's all right. Yeah, but anyways, um, but it was Alec Izagonis, um, and he was trying to design this extremely small car, but how he packaged this thing, it was amazing. Um, you did have the 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 Volkswagen Beetle at the time, uh, which was becoming much more popular. Um, but its engine was in the back, and he wanted to make it even more compact. And so he was able to make it. It had a completely flat floor. Uh, it had a transverse mounted engine and transmission in the front. Uh, which was um, kind of a to put it in that compact of a of a of a package was something very new. Uh, it had a completely flat floor. It had a trunk. Um, so it was also able to have a completely uh, independent four wheel suspension, um, and so. What it was also able to do was is that it gave it what what is now referred to as the the bulldog stance. So all of the the, uh, the wheels are pushed out to the very far extremes of the four corners of uh, of the car, um, and that had some very interesting uh, results. Um, it made it handle amazingly well wouldn't it work really well in like a rally car well i am very glad that you asked that mr pence yes as a matter of fact it worked pretty darn well in a rally car um so if you've ever sat inside of a mini uh you see this big huge round dial right in the middle of it right in the middle of the dash uh, and that's because in rally car, you have the driver and then you have the co-pilot and the driver's job is just 
stare straight ahead and just drive as fast as he possibly can. And the co-pilot's job is to call out different um, the, the different churns. Uh, they have their own little language, which is like right 12 or right, you know, one uphill or whatever. So they gives them basically what the next churn is, how sharp of a churn is it? Is it going uphill, downhill? What is a churn doing or anything like that? And also he's keeping track of the speed because he needs to know how quickly they're going to be coming to the next turn. So he's using the speed of how fast they're going to understand how quickly they're going to get to that. So that's why he needs the big dial right in the middle. I can never do that. I ended up throwing up. Um, <laughs> but, um, but it was actually John Cooper um, who was kind of put in charge of that uh, to go on and uh, hold on. I'm trying to read it here. Yeah. So John Cooper. Yeah. Well, he well, basically. Go yeah. Ahead. So well, Zach's doing that. So um, yeah, John, the John Cooper works car. So works was basically a way of saying like factory team or, you know, well, this was before that. Right. But, but when you see, when you see a modern John Cooper works car, the ideas they're evoking what John Cooper would do on a racing team, which is what Zach's referring to, in terms of John Cooper's effect on uh, the cars as a as a as a race car as opposed to a street car. Yeah. So what what what'd you find, Zach? So that's what I'm working on here. Hold on. Okay. Well, if you're still looking, yes, I, I I want it was it was sixty. Oh man. All right. Hold on. That's right. So. Keep, keep working. So one of the things that may be obvious to some of you, but not all of you, is that when you have a lightweight front-wheel drive car, that doesn't sound so good on a, on a racetrack. I mean, the lightweight part, yes, but the front-wheel drive part doesn't work as well on, say, like, you know, asphalt on a racetrack, but it works really well off-road because essentially what it's doing is it's every time you put your foot on the accelerator, you're helping pull the car straight. And so it's taking you out of that slippery condition and making you actually more stable. So it works really well. Um, and then you can adjust, you know, sort of the weight bias and things like that to help sort of scoot you around a corner, like on a gravelly high speed corner, right? We need to get around as quickly as possible. So yeah. It's, it's, let me, it's, let me explain how successful this thing was. So uh, it won the 1961, the 62, the 69, the 78 and the 79 British saloon car championship it won the British Rally Championship in 62, 63, and 70, the European Rally Championship in 65 and 66, and won the Finnish Rally Championship in 65 and 66, um, kind of a bunch of other different rallies and so forth and so on. It also won the Monte Carlo Rally in 64, 65, and 67. Technically, it won it in 66, but they added a middle light, a middle fog light. So they added one additional fog light in the middle and that disqualified it because it was not available on the production car. <laughs> yeah. 
So basically, it had too many lights, which made it heavy, or slightly. But because it wasn't because it wasn't homologated for that, it was disqualified. Yeah, well, because in 1966 it placed first, second, and third in the Monte Carlo Rally, but it was disqualified after the middle light was not allowed. Wow! Because it wasn't it wasn't part of the production. So in '67 they offered it as an accessory to owners. And so because it was now offered as an accessory from the factory, it was allowed to not have the middle light. So basically for the better part of 15 years, it was either a winner or nearest makes no difference. I mean, almost a winner in a lot of major rallies that it competed in. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it, it was ridiculously dominant ridiculously dominant and this is and this is at the time where you have much more powerful cars i mean the these were i mean i mean they they had less than 100 horsepower you know right but but but, but so, because it's so light you're pretty much to the to the floor all the time and you're making up ground yeah if you really want to see something really cool um try looking up uh, some of the um, some of the the British uh, the British touring car, well, which one was it? Uh, da, 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 da. The yeah the British saloon car championship. Um, try looking that up, because during that time it was also battling against Mustangs and Camaros of the same era. And what would happen is is the Mustangs and Camaros had like three, four times as much power. And so they would just blast by them in the straightaways. But anytime it came to the little curvy sections of it, these minis would absolutely dice them up in the curvy sections. Just absolutely. And so it was just this back and forth between the two of them. It was, it's just, it's, it's, it's just amazing to watch. So this this is talking about BTCC, our British British Saloon Car Championship, something like that. I'm talking about from the mid to late sixties, essentially, or mid sixties to yeah, early seventies. Uh, yeah, mid sixties to early seventies. Okay. Just apps. I mean, you know, you just you have these little itty bitty. Yeah, just these little itty bitty cars, you know, like like gnats, just buzzing around these big balls, <laughs> just. <laughs> hilarious <clears throat> so well, ladder, ladder frames and live axles do have their drawbacks they do they do but no replacement for displacement <laughs> you are such a chick. anyways but <laughs> so mini cooper uh, what became mini cooper um because of john cooper and uh and and in the 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 cooper s um, is what they became and so forth. Um, then later on, uh, you you know John Cooper began his own thing, which was John Cooper Works, which was a separate uh, thing. Um, and then Cooper Mini was purchased by the Rover Group. It was all kind of lumped in there to the Rover Group. After the Rover Group was purchased by uh, BMW. Uh, BMW then in 2000 
um, basically sold off most of the rest of the Rover group, kept Mini Cooper, and discontinued what was what is now known as the Mini Cooper Classic, and began Mini as its own separate company, um, still with Rover, uh, kind of you know from the chassis that Rover built and so forth, um, and that continued all the way through. Uh, till 2014, I believe. Um, hold on. Do, 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 do. Uh, yeah, till 2014, that's when it, um, yeah, till 2014, because uh, in 2015, it became um, its own, uh, its, its actual BMW developed chassis and everything like that and engine and transmission and so forth. Well, it's interesting too, because there's a different differentiation between Mini as it was known originally, which was capital M, I, N, I, and usually with the word Cooper after it, although not always, um, because I, I believe there was, there was a Mini, not Jensen, one of the other British names, but there was another. There was another mini option out there, and then oh, at yeah. when when BMW took it over, then it was mini capital M capital I capital N capital I, and it's thought of as this you know this big split right this big schism between what it was before and what it's become in the modern era, um, with all the interesting foibles that come with a mini that's a basically has the same reliability record as, as a, as a BMW, um, which is to say not awesome outside of the drivetrain. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Um, I love how customizable the new, the current mini generation is. And the fact that you can go full awesome powers on it. If you want, you can go really subdued, oh you know, you can do all that stuff and it's, it's great. You know, people who, who enjoy that sort of thing. I mean, you know, if it's just you and, you know, your friend once in a while and you don't care about back seats and you love the look, great, go for it. You don't mind well, having, to run, having to replace run flat tires? It's it's one of those things of it as as a as a customer, you you have all of these different options. Every single Mini Cooper is so customizable. Um, it, it, it says that there's 10 million different combinations and they're not wrong. Um, you know, it, it, especially when you add in accessories and so forth that you can have installed on the car to, you know, to change the mirror caps, to change the roof, to change whatever you want to. Um, as a salesperson, it was kind of a little bit irritating and frustrating and so forth because you know half of the cars you sold were cars to be built uh you know not cars that were there um, oh, so, so delayed gratification at its worst yeah well i mean it was nice because you knew that the next month you know you were getting a couple in <laughs> that were on order right, right. you know oh so it was nice in that aspect, but, you know, it just was like, all right, well, you know, see you in six weeks. <laughs> um, 
but uh but it was really cool it, it was it was the the one thing that i do want to talk about is the mini culture there is more than i think i can't really think of an automotive manufacturer that has as as much of an ingrained culture attached to it um maybe the closest one comes is maybe ferrari maybe i i'd agree with that yeah but but there's a there's a culture that that wraps itself in 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 many and and it is amazing um they are some of the friendliest customers you'll ever meet um they are it was it was so much fun uh, to to give you an idea and, and just just to kind of give it a nice contrast and so forth. Um, so I, I worked at a mini store and right next door was a BMW store. And for Christmas, uh, for mini, we had uh, this kind of. Um, non-gam you know you didn't really gamble it was just kind of have fun and stuff like that all these different casino games like roulette and blackjack and poker and stuff like that uh and craps tables and stuff they had a whole separate area where kids could um uh you know could uh paint uh ornaments and stuff like that for like christmas trees um and then they uh they're everybody kind of dressed up all of their mini coopers that who were there this was like a customer appreciation uh everybody dressed up all their mini coopers um with like christmas lights and different decorations and so forth and went on a parade through one of the local uh one of the the uh, the, the local uh neighborhoods and then met back at the dealership. And we as employees, we were all given uh, flannel pajamas to wear during all of the festivities and so forth. That was our basically our, our, our holiday uh, thing for our different customers and everything so much fun probably one of the funnest times i've ever had uh interacting with customers and so forth now to contrast that the next week the bmw store had their holiday customer appreciation to to describe this as snooty i i I think would be an insult to the word snooty <laughs> to to give you an idea of how bad it was there was a mime oh god no they hired a mime now to all of our audience out there if anyone is a mime first off we can't hear you It but second very, off, it sounds very Teutonic. Second off, 
Yeah. Second. Oh, it's. It was. It was so bad, so bad. Anyway, I just I I, I had to go over there for something. <laughs> I quickly wanted to leave. So because because all of our all of the uh, all, all the uh, the the big managers' offices were over at the BMW store. And so I had to go over there to talk to one of the big wig managers and stuff. And I walked in and I'm like, Ooh, this is not my crowd. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, but, but yeah, but that really gives you just kind of the idea of the, of mini of, of just the, the culture of mini and probably, probably that's what I missed the most about selling minis uh, was the customers. Um, and what's that kind of that mini culture, you know, to kind of put it together and so forth. So, you know, I was yeah. thinking about it. I think what you said, and I and I think your the idea of um, sort of automobile devotion, right? Um, and and I think the Ferrari thing was probably more true. I don't know, maybe even in the seventies, it was a little more realistic, but pretty much from the time the Testarossa came out and the whole cocaine culture around the Testarossa kind of sullied the Ferrari brand a little bit in terms of its, you know, like, like true devotion as opposed to like investment banker devotion. But I think air, air cooled Porsche is probably the closest thing to mini devotion. I would say. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I can kind of see that. You know, I mean, Uh, I'm talking air cooled Porsche before this guy rocketed in value. You know, so like ten years ago, you're called Porsche. Um, yeah, but I just I had to think about that some more. Think, well, who who's who's really like really into their car? Who would be into their car if it was worth ten bucks or ten million? Like, it'd still be into their car. And, and oh, the, closest uh, thing, the closest thing I can think to Mini is definitely air cooled Porsche. Uh, I would say, um, Jeep Wrangler owners. Yeah, there it's it's yeah, it's different though. There's that whole that whole thing about well it's the the camping thing, right? Where you have to be a guy who's willing to not just take it off road once a year but actually like devote to the whole culture around the camping thing in addition to the like the you know the car as or the vehicle as this tool to do yeah. other things. Um, yeah, it's very it's very hard to kind of you it know is. it is kind of to separate. Stuff. You know, I mean the the must the Mustang people are psychotic, but we love them. We do, we, we do, do love them. We, we, we appreciate them. Uh, we appreciate this with it through all the different generations and all the all the foibles yeah. and then the Mustang two piece. Even, even, as, even as a Camaro lover, because my favorite mm. car I've ever owned is still my eighty five IRC Camaro. Um, there's some there's some definite bad points about a Camaro, but we but you gotta love them. Oh yes, oh yes. Oh, yeah. You know it's it's irrational, anyway. which is part of. The- <laughs> well, speaking of irrational, back to mini. Um, there's 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 one thing there's one thing that 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 I. So so first things first, a a Mini Cooper S, with a stick shift. I will still, to this day, um, say is the car to drive 
just completely nutso under a hundred thousand dollars. And that includes a type R. Hmm. Um, because a type R, even though it is faster and it handles better, a mini there's there's a certain there's a certain thing in your brain that kind of says this should not be handling this well. Mm. This shouldn't be doing this. Uh, the other thing that I love about Mini, um, and 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 probably one particular aspect that really describes Mini the best. Um, so on on all of the on all uh, Mini convertibles, uh, even the new ones. Although I now think it's uh, it's it's what's one of the gauges that that's. Um, that's actually in the in the uh, information display. They actually have what's called an openometer. <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen it. An openometer, and it exists in every right. mini co- in, in every mini convertible since I think 2011. And what does it what does it measure, Zach? It measures how long you drive total with the top down. <laughs> Yes, it does. Yes, it does. It tells people, okay, uh, this actually drove with the top down this much. So you can brag to your it, other mini at, friends. At, you can brag to your other mini friends and show them how, you know, the, the extent of your openometer. Hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds to thousands of man hours devoted to a gauge that tells you how long your top is down. I must step in. Okay. I would like to contrast that with another mini features the wrong word aspect of the mini that's important to note and this is maybe a one-off but it's not that unexpected okay so i drove a mini <clears throat> not that long ago automatic transmission i drove it a very short distance but even so it had about sixty thousand miles on it it was an automatic there's a silver cap uh which releases the car right so you can take it out of park and put it in drive in reverse and all that kind of stuff okay yes so, okay so, which kind of looks like a helmet visor, but that's, that's beside the point. So, I go to reach for said gear selector. The cap, that silver cap thing, is so loose, it's going to fall off that thing any second now. And the car had 60,000 miles on it. As if they cared so little about the build quality and the way that joint was put together but they care so much about the openometer they had to make sure it was in. I yeah. had both sigh with disappointment and laugh because how many is that? How totally many is that? <coughs> Pardon me. Yes. 
it, that, it's that's it's just yeah that that is many and a many. Um, although I do have to say one one of the one of the things that used to make me laugh and sigh at the exact same time was um, when people would people would, would come in and this happened numerous times like like so much that I can't just kind of go and go oh yeah I remember when that happened it was holy crap this happened a lot people would come in and they would see it um, and it, it was almost a Bill Ingvall here's your sign moment and they would look at it and they would go wow I didn't think it was going to be this small. And I would have to then glance up at the big, huge sign on the face of the building that was right behind us. And I would then look back at the customer and they would watch me as I looked up at the sign and I would look back at them and they would invariably go, okay, yes, yes, yes. I know it says mini, but you know, and I was like, I'm sorry. We did warn you quite quite extensively. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, yeah, that was that was one of those. Uh, here's literally your sign. You do realize you're referencing like a 20 year old stand up comedy bit. It holds up. It holds up. <laughs> okay, so we would, I, I would feel cheated. I would be miss if we did not mention some of the things that are primarily mini features that have crept into some of the BMW models. I'm going to start with the most okay. obvious, which is that the Mini Countryman is the same chassis and the same engine. And the same transmission as the BMW X1 and X2. Yes. So, which I don't know. If that's I mean I can't really say that's a bad thing for Mini. No, I not do, for Mini. No, no, not for Mini. I do. Th- <laughs> I was okay. I was reading, and and this is kind of more more of a a BMW. You know, back to BMW gripe. Be, I read an article today. Uh, car and driver were coming to the end of their 40,000 mile uh, uh, Honda Accord test, tester. They're coming to the end of it. And one of the one of the lines in the article read, "This is the car that all disgruntled, three series owners should go and get which was the accord honda accord with the 2.0 turbo and the 10-speed automatic transmission right and the leather interior and so the a, a car that is fantastic for mini and really builds up the uh the the the, the mini brand you know so, so to say um, you're really going to make that 
a BMW just to try to expand its lineup so you can sell more cars. You know, I, I just yeah. I think it's I don't know. Well, and, and you know, and the the big blowback against BMW is that it's a front wheel drive. Yeah, I it's mean, they have had front wheel drive in the past, right. But it was it was the Isetta and it was the um, well I said it was rear wheel drive but also rear engine rear drive. Okay, my mistake. I apologize to all the Isetta nerds. My sincere apologies. Um, I just they both forgive you. Yeah, I've... <laughs> I just figured there was two wheels in front, but then I realized based on the design, it had to be rear engine. So I sincerely apologize. Um, That's but, okay. And, and then and then the other thing is that you take a look at the BMW i8, which is almost objectively gorgeous and then you realize that the that the engine in it is the engine from the base model mini which is a three-cylinder turbo yes granted with a hydro system but still which i've heard you know both good and bad things about that three-cylinder turbo well, it's it's you know it's incredibly difficult to balance it right because of the way the cylinder order goes. Um, you know, it creates massive harmonic vibration. Um, your balancing shafts have to work off of an elliptical uh, sort of orbit because if you do it in a circular way, then nothing ever balances. So instead of being a, a rotating shaft, it actually goes in an egg shape. Um, all kinds of craziness. So it's very difficult to get it right. And of course, if it goes slightly out of balance, then the whole thing goes wackadoo. Um, but what, Jack, Zach, could you look up, please? Uh, what what's the base MSRP on an i8? On an i8? Yeah, it's high. Oh my gosh! Okay. Um, Maybe a lot of carbon in it, but uh, you know, you're still you're getting a two seat hybrid roadster with the engine from a base model mini. Uh, base MSRP is one hundred forty seven thousand five hundred. Okay, so you're within, it's less than $10,000 between that and an accurate NSX. Yeah. Which does zero and to I 60 would, in three I would, I would definitely argue that the NSX is a better car. Oh, I think it's objectively a better car. You know, yeah. It's by any, by any measure I can possibly think of to anybody who doesn't have the BMW Roundel tattooed on their body somewhere. It's a well, car. I mean, my biggest complaint about the i8, one, it is amazing to look at. Oh my gosh, is it sexy to look at. In person, it looks 10 times better than it does in a picture. My, my biggest complaint is, is that you're essentially $150,000 for less than 400 horsepower 369 horsepower and okay and right there you're 200 horsepower underneath the nsx yeah more than 200 yeah i i can i i I can give you okay here you go you are less than 100 horsepower away from the before mentioned Accord 
Which has uh, now granted, if we take away the uh, the fancy interior, has a started MSRP of what around? Would you say low thirties? Uh, thirty one. Thirty one. Okay. Yeah. So you're an EX dollars. Yeah, an EXL. Let's just say no, because you can do it in a sport. You can get a yeah. sport two point for thirty one, and then a an EXL two point for about thirty three. Okay. So even so. Let's just call it an EXO just for sake of argument, right? You're yep, still $115,000 more for the yeah. I-8. And you have three more seats in the Accord, and it's, hey, granted, it's not half as good looking, but at what point does looks, you know, no longer supersede the fact that you're paying through the nose for, a, for mediocrity? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things of, you just, and, and if it, now, if it got, and, and we'll get back to Mini in a second, I promise people, um, but if it got like a long battery range, or if it was just electric only, now right, I can sure. see some kind of justification for it sure but the fact sure. that it's an 18 mile range <laughs> hybrid yeah that's got 369 horsepower i mean that's just sad well you know and 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 the range thing you know like if you actually use that horsepower i'll give an example so um the now famous joe rogan um with his super popular podcast bought a um p100d model s right and the the, the the stated range when he bought it was something like 400 and i don't know 15 420 miles right and he says he drives it in ludicrous mode all the time and his range is 150 miles and, and he's, he's probably perfectly happy with that oh he's totally happy with that right because yeah. he's, he's joe rogan my point is if you actually drive an i8 that uses some measure of that 370 horsepower, your 18 mile electric range is now six, seven. Yeah. Something like that. So, uh, I mean, yeah. and, and, and my, you know, and, and my thing is, is that there's, there's much better uses for that engine, i.e. the mini. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Now mini is going to be, um, they will be introducing a uh, uh, an all electric called the Mini that's, E. That's right. I heard about that. Um, Terrible name, but that's right. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> but it's they, they are doing. Sorry, um, you know, it 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 will be coming in and kind of you know being a better car it'll be able to you know it'll it'll give you the the awesomeness of a mini at you know something else you know at, at the, with electric only part of the appeal of the mini has always been about the fact right that you can scoot in and out of traffic with it it's kind of like you know, urban assault vehicle without the, the Rambo notion to it, you know, this kind of like, 
uh, commuter car, right? This that's often yeah. sporty. All have to be sporty. So I mean, the electric being electric only amplifies that. So I totally respect that. But Min EE is they got to do better than that. Even if they call it the E Mini, that's still not that much better. They need to get away from these names and just call it something that makes a little more sense. I mean, at least at least at least Porsche Taycan doesn't have the word E in it. Um, and then you know, then there's that new um, Honda sort of assault vehicle. It's sort of like a Honda Take on a Mini that's just called E. It's the Honda E. Yeah. But Which it's cute is, as a button. Yeah. I wish we would get it. No, I I suspect, and and I've been um, I've I've been hearing rumors that at the at the end of the year we will we'll get a lot of really crazy announcements uh, happening uh, yeah. probably at like the LA Auto Show. <coughs> I've been hearing about that too. I'm excited. Because you know, we need a lot more competition in the marketplace. Because right now, they, everyone thinks about Tesla with electric vehicles, and I'm sorry, so you have fifty or sixty grand to spend. And I saw the press release today about the thirty-five thousand dollars model, so don't get one back. But unless you got fifty or sixty grand to spend, you're not buying an electric vehicle right now. I'm not. I mean, a, a Tesla electric vehicle. You know. And yeah. Anyway, I, I'm, we'll save the rant for another day. But uh, yeah, but, exactly. but Min, Min, Minnie's doing a heck of a, a heck of a job with what they're doing. They they manage to stay in their lane. Just don't make the mini bigger. Don't get, don't make the mini part like mini in name only, because the countryman's getting pretty big at this point. They need to just stick with what they do well. Keep it quick. Keep it agile. You know, keep it fun. Absolutely. Keep the fact that every mini can be had with a manual transmission, which is awesome. It it's actually it's stand all minis are standard with stick shifts. It's required and you have to actually upgrade to an automatic transmission. All right. There's a lot of respect for that. Yeah, you know, there's there's Absolutely. not many cars out there that you can say that about. So um we can kinda of meandered a bit, but we think we brought it all back at the end there. So uh good good podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Vroom vroom. Right, have a good night.